Did you see that Bible handoff there? All right. Good morning, church. It's been a great morning. It's been a great morning. Um, everything that has happened this morning, every word the Lord has brought, even the songs that we sang, um, he's got something good for us this morning. I'm just going to take a minute to pray uh, before we start. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. God, you are so good to us. Father, it is our heart's desire to glorify you, to magnify you, to lift you up in this place. Father, we just open our hearts to you this morning, and we ask that um, we would be teachable, that you would teach us, that you would mold us, that you would shape us, Father, that you would cut away those things that hinder us, uh, that enslave us, God, and that we would walk um, as free children of the Most High God, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the message I have to share today is real simple. I just felt led to encourage us in faith. Um, Jeremy was here last week. He's coming next week. And, you know, I, we adore Jeremy and Jocelyn. We spend a lot of time with them. We meet. We go out. They are as fun and as loud in a restaurant as they are here. They are, they are awesome. We have so much fun with them. But, you know, it is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that moves with power. And um, they've seen it so much, and so they carry this great faith. They've seen it, um, and they speak it. They share it. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. I love that Jeremy comes, and he comes up with such passion, and he just shares testimonies. He just points to Jesus over and over and over and over. And um, so this morning, I'm just going to, it's like I said to Jason, I'm just going to be a little faith bridge from one Sunday to the next Sunday. Um, and it's my honor to do that. Uh, the scripture that we're really just going to start with, there's, I just have two this morning. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 1, uh, if you want to turn there, or I believe my daughter has that up behind me. Um, now, faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's the confidence of things hoped for or the evidence or the proof of things unseen. Faith is knowing who God is. This whole word points and is to tell us, is to show us who God is. And we're so privileged to have it. We're so privileged to have it in our hands. We're so privileged to be able to visit it over and over and over and see it in black and white. Go to Ollie's. Man, they got Bibles everywhere. You can... And it's such a privilege that they don't have in other countries. They rip Bibles, and each person gets a page, and they hide it. And if they're caught with it, the, um, the consequences are severe. It's such a privilege. Faith is knowing who God is. It is certainty about who he is. It's confidence in who he is. If you're fully rooted in who God is, then you're not surprised when God does what he does. Which is what Jeremy talked about last week. He was in um, Acts chapter 3 where Paul had done this miracle and he said, why do you marvel at this? Why are you surprised at this? And he did this phenomenal miracle. But he says, this has nothing to do with us. Jeremy would stand here and say, I just believe God. I just believe God and I expect God to be God. And so God shows up and God is God. 
If you're fully rooted in who God is, then you're not surprised when God does what he does, when he does what he do. What he does comes from who he is. He is a promise keeper, and so he keeps all his promises. He is the healer, and so he heals the sick and the brokenhearted. He is love. That's who he is. And so he forgives our sins. He saves our souls. He gives us eternal life through Jesus, and he calls us his children. He is faithful. He is good. And so he walks with us through trials and tribulations and the pain that exists in this life on earth. He leads us. He guides us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He grieves with us. He provides for us. All these things, he does these things because who he is is who he is, and it does not change. It does not change. You know, my kids are never surprised when I put dinner on the table. They're never surprised when I feed them dinner. They're not like, oh, oh, she's feeding us dinner, guys. She's feeding us. They're grateful. They're happy. Sometimes there's rejoicing depending on the menu. But they're never shocked because they know who I am. I'm their mom. This is what I do. I'm a good and attentive mom, hopefully, and feeding them is what I do because of who I am. Now, faith is the confident knowing of who God is. And so walking by faith is holding fast to that truth, holding fast to who God is in the face of every circumstance in our life. And you're going to see here how this whole service has been building to this because the Holy Spirit is consistent and he has He always has something for us. He's always growing us because God loves us. He's preparing us. You know, sometimes the trial, the tribulation you're going through, we're supposed to count it joy because it produces patience. I always think, God, what are you preparing me for? Because I am a protective mom. I am, I'm an over-preparer when it comes to my kid. And I'll just be honest, this is born out of the fact that I always felt unprepared. I always felt clueless. Eva came home with a paper from school, talk to your mom, and it was about feelings and emotions in middle school, and asked her to, to check off the ones how she felt in middle school. It was a sad sight. I was like, well, girl, I've never told you these things, but here you go, clueless, lost, unprotected. Like, I just didn't, I never knew anything, and no one ever kind of taught me anything. So I'm an over-prepare with my girls, I'm just like, okay, listen, it's time to learn how to shave your legs. I have my swimsuit on. Come on upstairs. I'm going to show you how to do it. This is how you do it. I mean, I give them all the details about everything because I never want them to be caught off guard. I don't want them to hurt themselves. Um, And I want them to know they're loved, protected, and prepared and ready for what's coming at them. And so sometimes these trials, these tribulations, they come, and it's preparation for something bigger that's coming. Because God sees the end from the beginning. He knit us together. As we were worshiping, he told me this. He said, Liz, I knit together every human being of all time. Each one passed through his care. Each one. From the most evil one to 
his son Jesus. Did he knit Jesus together in the womb of Mary? That's an interesting question. I mean, Jesus just didn't appear there. God followed the, the rules of development. I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure because he's consistent and he's not magic. He doesn't operate by magic. He's not, he, that's, not how he, that's not how he does. He operates on who he is. So holding fast to the truth of who God is in the face of these very real circumstances of our life, what we see, what we feel, and what we experience in this life does not change who God is. Sin, death, disease, tragedy, heartache, abuse, sickness, poverty, injustice, racism, sexism, discrimination, theft, destruction, murder, brutality, violence, loss, sorrow. These things do not come from his hand. These things do not come from him. They are part and parcel of the curse under which this earth suffers. And gosh, we live on this earth and we suffer. We suffer side by side with those who don't know him. Why is the gospel so urgent? Why is it so powerful? Why is it so unbelievably joyous? Because the suffering is for real. These things are for real. And he is the way. Jesus is the way out over and through it. Jesus is the truth that brings freedom from the curse. He is the life that conquered death and makes the way for us to victory. These things do not change who he is. Psalm 37 says to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In verse 8, it says, do not fret, it only causes harm. So when those circumstances, those feelings, that your pain, your experiences, when they, when they begin to, if you begin to stew, when they begin to draw on you and you begin to feel, you begin to question who God is, you need to stand and say who God is doesn't change. I have a very visual mind. I come up with analogies for everything. I'm like, I'm like a website for analogies. And like, I need an analogy for this. I was like, well, how about this? Well, no, and I never know if they're going to quite work until I say them. Sometimes I, I, have to, I have to say them out loud to hear if, if it works. But in my own life, there are some things I learned about God through experience. And they're like flags planted, big ones, like big flagpoles. They don't, they don't budge. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter what hurricane is blowing through my life. These truths do not budge. And there are seasons of my life where I have felt, like um, Pastor Jason said in um, the song Waymaker, even though I don't see it, he's working. Even though I don't feel it, he's working. I've had some times in my life where I felt like I don't know if it's like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz or if it's like Helen Hunt and Twister. Like I felt like I'm holding on to this pole and I'm literally parallel to the ground and there's just things whipping by me and my life just is in a, it's in a hurricane, but I am holding fast to this pole and I look up and there's the flag that I've raised and it says God is good. There's another one that says God is faithful, i.e. he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never reject me. 
and I hold on to these truths. I run to them, you know, and sometimes, you know, I wrap my arms around multiple poles, but I run to the truth that holds me fast in life circumstances. I do not let the circumstances weaken my pole. I'll tell you, sometimes I go through circumstances and I'm just mad. I, I'm, I'm mad. And I just, I don't, want, I don't want the poles. You know what? I feel like you could have done something about this if you'd wanted to. <laughs> that is just stinking thinking. That is, someone, that, is, that is the thinking of someone who struggles to receive love and doesn't understand the goodness and the heart of God for his children. The depth of love. The depth of love. And eventually I loosen up and I run to the pole. I know you, you will never leave me or forsake me. I know you will never reject me. I know that you are preparing me for bigger things. I know that you are, are growing my faith. I know that you are knitting me together even now in my walk. What we see and how we feel in our experiences do not change who God is. You will find him in the midst of every circumstance if you seek him. This morning I talked about um, sitting in your Sitting in your feelings, I think this is so important, and I'm going to get there in my notes, um, about your heart. Faith is tied to your heart. It is intricately connected. You cannot, you cannot parse it out. You cannot have true faith if you do not go to God in, in truth. If you are trying to fill in the blank, anything, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to say the right things, if you're trying to... Um, if you're trying, then you're not being. You can just be with him and invite him in and seek him. In your anger, seek him. In your grief, seek him. In your pain, in your sin, seek him. So often, so often, somehow, somehow the message has become that if you are just in sin that you need to clean yourself up before you come to God. Are we, and I'll ask this, I'll ask this of myself as a leader of a, of a church, I'll ask this of the elders, what, what kind of culture do we have in this church? Are we a place where the sinner can come? Are we a place where grace is evident? Are we a place where space is evident, or must they be proper before they come in? Must they be a Republican to grace the altar? Or will we give them time? <laughs> Just kidding um, about that one in particular. I'm kidding about that one in particular. But must they be, must they be acceptable? Like, um, must they be perfectly kind every time you talk to them? Or do they have space do they have space sometimes to say things that are a little like, mm, that was a little off, and you let it go? Are we? That's what grace is. Grace is just letting it go and trusting that God is at work in their life, trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in their life and that your name isn't the Holy Spirit. That's what grace and space is in our house. Grace and space is one of the Ackerman keys to a happy marriage. We talk about it with every premarital couple we talk to. It is foundational, mostly because I needed so much grace and space, and I needed safety, and I needed unconditional love. And then after 11 years, 
of receiving that so beautifully, then it was his turn. (laughs) Then he needed a lot of grace and space and unconditional love. And our marriage has been, I mean, it's just been so strong because of that. But are we a church where a sinner can come, where someone who's struggling can come, an ugly cry? And we don't assume that, wow, their life must be really a mess. Maybe. No messier than mine, I can assure you. And I know I've said this a lot of times. There was a period in my life where I had lost two, two babies in one summer, and I was up right up here. And every Sunday, we used to sit in the back because we had lots of kids, little kids, and every Sunday I would resist, like, I'm not going to cry in front of all these people. And I was just, Lord, I am tired of being a hot mess in front of people. It's not fair. Why do I always have to be the hot mess married to the shiny penny? I just don't under, like, I, I just don't like it. And every Sunday, man, I'm a worshiper. And that, I mean, my heart within five minutes would just begin to melt and up I would come and I would weep. There was so much sorrow and so much grief and I would just weep and weep. And a, a good friend, but after like the second or third Sunday, she came up and she was concerned about me. She's like, Liz, are you okay? It was Rochelle Reynolds. I said, Rochelle, I said, girl, if you don't see me up there, then I'm probably not okay. So long as I'm up here, so long as I'm pouring my heart out, before the Lord, I'm okay. So the minute you see me standing there stoic, you know, trying to hold it in, then, then you need to worry. Then you need to, 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 uh, to reach out and, and, um, and make sure I'm being real with God. Make sure I'm living from my heart with the Lord. So in your sin, seek him. In your need, your weakness, weariness, seek him. In your failure, seek him. In the day of trouble, seek the Lord. And then rest in who he is. Eyes on who he is, on Jesus, and off of the circumstance. Ooh, I didn't bring my phone up. Um, there was a worship song on this morning as I was getting ready for church, and then I came into church, and I was up here singing, or I wasn't singing, I was praying, and a song came on, and it was the same song. And before I left the house, no, guys, it's in there. Keep going. Um, it's like men's eyes get blinded when they open a purse, right? Like they open the purse and they can see nothing. It's just like a big black hole. And it's, it's right, it's literally right there, but they can't see it. Before I left the house, I felt the Lord say, um, find the lyrics to that song. So we're talking about when life, all these circumstances, they don't change who God is. And that's the key to walking in faith. It's the key to holding on to your faith, um, So I'm a worshiper, and um, this song, uh, there's one who has overcome, seated on David's throne, making our enemies a footstool beneath our feet. Do you see? The rocking begins, (laughs) even though I'm not singing it. Um, And we have this great hope. In the midst of the war, your name will prevail. Into the battle, your name is breakthrough. Into the struggle, your name is victory. The battle doesn't change the breakthrough. The struggle does not diminish the victory. Our praises get louder. Nothing can stop you. You hold the power because, Jesus, you're the king. Now, if we go down, 
Hmm, where is it? It's in your peace I fight. It's in your strength I rise. It's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. Now, when this song is playing, and for the longest time, I didn't know what the word was, and I didn't care. And usually I'm a stickler for accuracy. Um, Actually, I think with the Gulls and Jason, we joke um, Jeremy's an evangelist, and so sometimes when he describes an event, it, it becomes ev- evangelistic. Evangelistic. Like there were 4,500 people, and Jocelyn's like, mm, about 1,000. You know, so it's just that enthusiasm that kind of takes over. And we joke because I would have a t shirt that says, Accuracy matters. <laughs> Details matter, accuracy matters. But in this song, it's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. And I never knew are they saying it's just you, Jesus, or are they saying, I trust you, Jesus? And for me personally, I decided I trust you, Jesus, was more where I needed to plant myself. And so worship becomes part of my, it's the biggest part of my battle plan is worship. To turn my eyes to Jesus, to turn it away from that circumstance. So walking by faith is holding fast to who God is. Now living by faith Living by faith is making choices that line up with the knowledge of who God is, with the belief of who God is. So this is like, it's like taking it, faith is the certainty in who God is, and you're certain, and faith is something, it's spirit, it's in the spirit, right? I build my faith through worship. I build my faith through hearing the word. Um, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. My number one goal in living is to please the Lord. It is my number one goal in living. If I fail a thousand times at a thousand things, my number one goal is to please the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. So it's in your spirit, but then we also, the circumstances come and we have, to, we have to turn our mind, we have to renew our mind according to the word. So the battle comes to our mind and our thoughts and what about this and what about this and what about this? Um, and let me, just, let me just say, so when you're in that situation, um, when you're in that situation, be really careful how you organize your sentences, grammar. Oh, I'm reading a book. I, I do a book each day. It's called Sheltering Mercy. It's prayers based on the Psalms. And it's like the prayers are Psalms themselves. And it's like poetry. And it's, oh, I just, I love the Psalms um, because it's like poetry and song. And um, this book, there's a line. It says, may I be fluent in the grammar of grace. Oh, and I swoon. Yes, God, may I be fluent in the grammar of grace. So how you arrange your sentences in your mind, it's, is it, um, is it, I know God is good, but this bad thing is happening, or is it, this bad thing is happening, but I know that God is good. That's not even in my notes. That one is for free. That's from the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to your thoughts. He doesn't condemn you for the questions. He doesn't condemn you for anything. Church, can we get a hold of that? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You're, you're angry at God. He's not mad at you for that. He's with you. He's walking you through it. You're mired down in self-pity. You're mired down in your sin. He loves you. He is your way. He will never not be the way out for you in any situation, in any circumstance. Pay attention to how you are framing your thoughts in this walk of faith. 
So the battle is in the mind, and then it comes out in our actions. So living by faith is making choices that line up with the knowledge of God, and this is, this is big, church. I want you to get this. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I have counseled people on the brink, on the brink of sanity, which I have visited that place. It is a wretched place. I have counseled people with this simple scripture, and it has helped to turn them around. This scripture, which is like Sunday school for those of us who've walked with the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him and he will direct your path. Our faith is revealed in our choices and in our actions and in our reactions. I know where my faith is based on how I react to things. And I'm always growing in faith. Church, can we give ourselves and every other person on the planet to be growing in faith? Everyone gets to be growing in faith. My mom has a phrase she likes to say. It's, this is killing me. This is killing me. Do you know I want to say the fact that you say that so much is killing you? Please stop saying that. But do you know, I said that to her once, and like she, she wrinkled up her face, and I knew what I had done wrong. What I had done wrong is that instead of in that moment hearing her heart and that she was overwhelmed, that she was feeling under, she needed compassion, and she needed me to address her heart, not her words. Are her words important? Yes, they are important. But it was not the first thing I should have been addressing. I needed to address her pain and say, Mom, nothing can come against you. I'm with you. God's with you. What can I do? Can I pray with you? But instead, I corrected her. I corrected her verbiage. Again, important. But her heart's more important. Knowing who God is in that moment was more important. It'll change her. Her words will change once she gets a hold of who God is. Her words will change. And the Holy Spirit will help her all the time. So her words revealed, you know, some things about her heart, and I missed it on that one. I miss it a lot. And then the Lord teaches me, and he grows me up. Actually, I mean, that's the best way. That's how we, that's how we bring up kids. That's how we bring up kids. They miss it. They mess up. They don't obey, and then we teach them about obedience. You know, they are unkind. We teach them about kindness. So the more we open our hearts to the Lord and trust who he is and then hold fast to him, the stronger our faith and the deeper our trust. In, oh, I love this. In seeking, in all those situations I talked about, in seeking him, we come to know his voice. We come to value his opinion of us above all others. We follow his ways and we desire his direction. And after all those things, we feel the firmness of himself under our feet as we walk. So walking in faith is trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, and I would say with the whole of our mind and all of our soul, leaning not on our understanding, which means rejecting our own understanding, rejecting our pro-con list, or at least submitting it. I love that. At least submitting it. There's nothing. God loves your brain. He loves your intellect. 
And if you are a person of deep intellect, he wants you to use it for his glory, not set it on a shelf. Um, so oh, I got off on my brain went off there. Um, so submitting our pro-con list to the Lord. He knows how we operate. If you're a pro-con list person, he knows he made you that way. He knit you together that way. But you take, you make your list and you submit it to him and you say, God, I seek you in this. I desire your way. Lead me, guide me. I submit to you and I trust in you. And the Bible says he will direct your path. He will do it. The greater our trust in him, the more he is able. We grow in this. We grow and we grow and we grow. And our whole motivation is that the more we trust in him, the more he's able to move us and use us in extraordinary ways because we're not afraid. We know that he will not let us fail. We, we, know, we go to the word and we know we have, we have worked it out. We have worked it out. We've seen we stand on his faithfulness. We have that firmness of who he is under our feet. And we know that he will not let us fail. And so he says, ooh, I can tell her. I can tell her. I can tell them to sell their house and move into a mobile home. Actually, I can tell them to sell their house and not know where they're going to live. And that I'll lead them. And they'll, they'll, they're gonna, they got it. They're going to trust me. He knows when we're ready. It was a, it was a, it was a really a, a, a walk to get ready for such a thing. And there have been some times when we've been, um, we've been confronted with some challenges and some trials that we didn't feel ready for. But in the end, we were victorious and God was glorified. And so our faith saw us through and he was with us and he saw us through. So I want to talk real quick um, and give you two illustrations. I haven't told any, well, hardly any stories. I have here the tale of two births births, like birthing a baby. I've had eight children. If you do not know, we have eight children. They came one at a time. So I had a lot of opportunity to learn things. And if you've ever birthed a child, you know that anything you can learn to help you lessen the work of it, the better. So I was an eager learner. So the tale of two births. The first birth um, was my first child. And here it goes. Uh, I'm going to have a baby. And the Bible says that pain is under the curse, and Jesus became a curse for us. Therefore, I can have a pain-free childbirth. This church is true. This is true. It's true. Pain is under the curse. Childbirth, pain in childbirth is specifically a curse, and I walk under the blessing. Therefore, a pain-free childbirth is available to me in Christ. So, okay, that's true. And then I stand. I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. Hmm, exactly. In my notes. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to build my faith. Good. I'm going to read testimonies of God's faithfulness in this area. Good. I'm going to meditate on scriptures that show God's will concerning this. Awesome. I'm going to write scripture cards for the hospital, and I'm going to pray these scripted faith prayers in this book called Supernatural Childbirth. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things. Okay. It's great. I am declaring all the specifics of how this is going to happen. Is this going to be this way? It's going to happen this way. This baby is not going to go past their due date. This baby, I mean, I start making declarations. And in my notes, it has a big, uh-oh. 
Everything I speak is going to happen because I have faith. It's going to happen the way I say it's going to happen. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> a couple things I've learned. Don't ever, try to, don't ever try to tell God what day a baby's going to come, okay? He knows what's happening in there better than you do, okay? Um, I go to the hospital with all of my faith ducks in a row. I'm only confessing what I'm believing for, and I proceed to have the most painful, traumatic childbirth experience out of all of my eight kids. I was left physically exhausted, emotionally numb, and spiritually wounded. It was awful. It was awful. And I remember mid-labor, you know, just in so much pain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I stopped. I was just like... What am I thanking you for? This sucks. God, help me. Help me. What is going on? It's like I got real. Okay? I got real. And that's the, that's the problem. If you, if you walk through this whole thing that I just did with you, I, there was no point where I got before the Lord and got real with him and said, God, I don't want, I want what you have. I want the best that you have. And I'm, I don't want to die, and I, I don't want my baby to die, and here's what I'm afraid of, and here's where I'm at. I never got real with where I was at before I started just collecting my to-do list so I could be a good girl, and I could show it to him and say, well, I did my part, now you do your part. It doesn't work that way. He, it's relationship. It's covenant relationship. So three months after the baby's born, I finally decide to talk to God. I probably prayed before that. I know I did, but, and here's how this goes. Me, God, what went wrong? I did everything I knew to do and it didn't work. I read, I prayed, I confessed, I meditated on the word. I don't understand and I'm angry. And God responded and said, I know, I know you are. What were you thinking about in the midst of the birth when the, when the pain began? Me, I legit thought I might die. That something, no, I legit thought, I might die. And after the fact, I believe that the medication they gave me, I think that I was at risk for uterine rupture, to be honest. I had one two-hour contraction. There was, if anyone has had a baby, there was no pause. There was no pause, not a single pause. And the nurse just yelled at me and told me I was being ridiculous. And then after an hour and a half, when I went from three to 10, she was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh. (laughs) Okay, I'm not bitter. (laughs) I'm not bitter. Um, I legit thought I might die because the nurse said, she came in and said, you have like six more hours to go of this. And I looked at him. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I can't do this. I legit thought that I was going to die, Lord. I, I, that something was wrong. Then the baby's heartbeat went crazy. They lost her heartbeat. I almost had to have a C-section. He started praying in the spirit out loud. And I, I finished and God said, fear of death. And I said, Yeah. And I just started crying. I said, when that pain hit, all I thought was, this isn't working. It's not working. It's not working. I'm trying to have faith. And God, I was trying so hard, but no, I was not believing. I was so scared of dying. And I said to him, I was like, I can do better. I was like, God, we need to do better next time. He's like, okay, I need to do better next time. It has to be better next time. So here's the story of birth number two, which was just a short 18 months later. I sat with the Lord 
And I had an honest prayer with the Lord. And a lot was said during that prayer. One specific thing was, I think the prayer of every mom having a second baby. God, how am I ever going to love this child as much as this child? This child is just everything. Uh, and so I focused on one thing. I was like, God, make her beautiful. The last thing I want is sisters who look at one another with envy or jealousy. And it's not the most important thing, God, but maybe you could just spare me this one hardship and make her beautiful. I didn't know I was going to have seven daughters, all of them beautiful, every single one of them. Anyway, such a shallow prayer, but isn't God sweet? He's so sweet to me. So here's how it goes. It's like, okay, God, I have no scripture cards. I didn't reread the supernatural childbirth book, and I haven't read any of those awesome prayers over this birth, mostly because I'm chasing a toddler around now. But this time, God, I am going into this, and I am certain of these three things. Number one, I will not die. Number two, my baby will not die. And number three, you will be with me, and you will tell me what to do, and I will be listening. And that's all I went in with. I had, and I was certain. It's like I can be certain for these three things. So I go to the hospital with my tiny little bit of faith, with my, just my three things, not the whole book, as small of a book as it was. But I have my tiny little faith, but it's all mine. It's all mine. I'm trusting that he will be with me, not do something spectacular for me, but that his being with me will produce the extraordinary because he is extraordinary, that he will be with me, trusting that he will speak. So after one hour, he begin, He tells me, sing. I'm not super keen on singing in front of people, but I begin to sing. And for two hours, I sing. And I sing all manner of songs, but I really focus into these kids' songs from Salty's Kids' Praise. I'm going to jump down, turn around, touch the ground, praise my Lord. And for two hours, I'm doing, I'm goofing off with Jason and I'm laughing. I deliver a baby with little pushing and the greatest feeling of joy that I have ever experienced on this earth. I've never experienced anything like it since. There was a joy when that girl came out. It was overwhelming. If, if heaven feels even a, if, if it's just even a fraction, a drop of what heaven feels like, I'm telling you, it was overwhelming joy. I had a pain-free childbirth. The nurses were in awe for days, and they spread the story from one shift to the next. They had never seen anything like it. God was with me I listened for his voice. I did what he told me to do. I believed in him. I had faith in him to show up, to speak to me, to be with me. I shifted my focus and I shifted my faith. The, the story of the first birth, I was having faith in my faith. I had faith in my faith. I had faith in all the acts of faith. So the second time, I, I, didn't, I didn't put my faith in my confessions. I didn't put my faith in my scripture cards. I didn't put my faith in my prayers. I didn't put my faith in my anything. Only him. Only him. And I would say I abandoned myself to him. I love saying that. I'd say it to my children. I will never abandon my children, but in one way. I abandon them to the care of the Lord. I release them fully. That's what I mean by that word. That's a kind of a triggery, charged word. I released them fully. I released myself to the Lord. I believed in who he promised to be for me in that room. 
Faith has everything to do with our hearts, with being real and getting real about where we are. On what, what do I really believe right now, God? And I've heard stories about um, Kenneth Hagin. I think, I feel like it was Kenneth Hagin, like in the prayer lines. And it's just like, can you believe this? Okay, no, I can't believe it. Okay, well, can you believe this? And he'd keep just breaking it down until he could get someone to really solidly believe. Well, I don't know if I can believe that God is going to completely heal me. Well, do you believe that God can completely heal? Like he did with this in this. I can, I do, I can, I believe, I do, I believe fully that he can heal. Like he would work with them. He'd walk them through it and he would find the point of their faith. And then you stand there honestly before God and say, this is where I am, God. And this is what I know. This is what I know. In times of trouble, instead of, oh no, it's not working. Or I don't know. I don't know. Now what? Now what? What what, what do I do now? Okay, let me get, we're going we're gonna to make a list, or I'm going to call my mom, or I'm going to see what Pastor Jason has to say about this. None of those, some of those things are not bad things, but we need to run to the Lord. We need to run to the Lord, and we need to seek him in all of our ways. We need to seek his counsel um, in every question, in every issue, in every problem. Jake, if you want to come back up. Uh, my oldest daughter just recently had a decision that she needed to make. Um, and she told me, she's like, Mom, I've been praying about it daily, and I, I'm not getting anything. I don't know which way to go. And I said to her, she said, this is, this is where I'm at. She said, if I make this decision, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because, not afraid, but I'm, I'm going to kind of um, put this person off. I'm going to offend them. It's not going to look good. Um, because I said I was going to do this, and now I just don't have peace about doing it. I don't have peace about signing this this contract that I've been working toward my whole entire career, this thing that I've wanted more than anything else, and here it sits. But I have no peace about signing it. But if I do sign it, I, I'm afraid that it's not the right thing to do, and that I should, I just don't know what to, which way to go, and I keep praying, and I'm not hearing anything. And I said to her, this week, we will go to the worship night together. And this week, between the worship night and Sunday morning, you will ask the Lord and he will answer you. And in church, I'll tell you what, guys, here's a real practical thing. When Jason and I have a decision to make, when we're unsure, and there's so many times we're unsure, after earnest seeking, we don't know. We always, always will seek him during church and he will always answer. And do you want to know why? Because in his presence, fear disappears. All of those little concerns, all the cons or the pros or whatever it is that's trying to move you, it all fades away. And in worship, I'm not afraid. <laughs> Every time I, we thought we were going to be done having kids, I would be standing in church and the Lord would just bubble up in my heart. I would come so weary. So t Raising eight kids is legit for real. Okay, I'm not, oh, you must have extra patience. No, I don't. I got just as much as y'all. <laughs> um, but it would bubble up and I would lean over and I would just feel like we're not done. We're not done yet. So she came and she knelt and she worshiped and she worshiped. And afterwards, Jason and I said, what did you hear? I heard this. I was like, okay, let's wait for tomorrow and see if he brings clarity to that. 
The next day, the Lord asked her a question. That is what he does. He asks us questions that um, challenge our assumptions about him, about who he is. Do you think, do you think that this path is the only way for me to get you from where you are to where you dream to be? That was her fear. If I, if I say no to this, which is the, the path most traveled to my dream, if I say no to it because I'm lacking peace, will I ever get there? And the question the Lord asked her is, do you think that this is the only way that I have, I, God, to get you there? He asks questions that challenge our assumptions, that challenge our limitations that we put on him. And she made the right and the bold and the brave decision, and she followed the Lord. But he answered her. We are raising up our kids, and we want to raise up a church that doesn't just switch jobs, that doesn't just decide to move just because that they, they have sought the Lord. They have gotten wisdom. We want to raise up a church that doesn't just follow tradition, that doesn't always play it safe, but that questions and pushes, pushes God to be who he is. He wants, he's seeking to show himself strong on behalf of his children. We are the ones who put limits on him. Seeing God for who he is and pressing up against him for more, it glorifies him. Seeing God glorified is the product of our faith. It's, it's the product of our faith. And it's how I learned. That first story, it was heartbreaking. That first birth story, I thought I was doing it all right. And I was crushed. So it was, God, what did I miss? Show me so I don't miss it again the next time. He wasn't mad at me. He wants to grow our faith because he loves us. And he wants to move miraculously in our lives if we will only believe in the fullness of who he is. Church, go ahead and stand together with me. We're going to just pray together. We're going to open our hearts to him this morning. Just open your heart to him this morning. Just close your eyes. Think about who he is. Who has he been to you? Think about his faithfulness. Last night, my family was sleeping, and I was weeping, overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God, his goodness to me. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for showing us who you are. I thank you for your word. We hide it in our hearts, Lord God, that we might not sin against you. We set our hearts on you, God. You are the unchanging one. It is you alone whom we seek. In you alone do we place our trust. And in the abundance and riches of your love, we open our hearts to you this morning, Father. Teach us, God. Correct us, Father. Show us those areas where our faith is weak, or misplaced. Show us those areas where we are relying on our own understanding. Come and make our paths straight. 
Shake us up, Lord. Shake up our thinking, our reasoning, our traditions, and our modes of operation, God. We ask all of this, Lord, that you might be glorified in us and through us. We ask all of this, God, that the world would see who you are reflected in your church and that they would be in awe of what they see and that the stories would pass from person to person. God, we need you to soften our hearts. We need you to align us to your truth. We need you to be the firmness under our feet. We need you to firm up our faith that we might grow in grace for one another's imperfections, that we might make space for human weakness. Open our eyes, God, to see as you see and to love as you love. Father, we seek your face this morning, God. We seek your truth this morning, God. Father, connect us to our hearts in truth, God. No longer are we going to just push away No longer are we going to look away, but Father, we trust you. We're going to look and see where we are at and where we want to be, God, and we are going to walk it out. We trust you, God. We trust you this morning, Lord. Who you are is all that we desire. Have your way in our hearts, God. Have our way in our hearts, God. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we will have people up here who uh, are honored to pray for you. Do you know it's an honor to pray for one another? To come alongside one another? You know that the faith walk is not a lonely walk. It can't be. You'll never grow. You'll never get to where you need to be. If If you've been going around the same mountain for a good long time and you're sick of it, come up and partner Come up and be humble and open and say, I'm struggling. I hurt. Man, that was a hard email for me to, to write. But when I wrote it, I moved from I'm mad to I hurt. And healing happened. So come up for prayer. Be dismissed, church. We love you. And enjoy the rest of your day.